0: Well, turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter two, and we'll begin in verse 19. If we never meet again this side of heaven, I'll see you on that beautiful shore. You know, it's a really you really easily fall into a, a, a witnessing opportunity with someone you meet when you say, if I never see you again here, am I going to see you in heaven one day? And ninety percent of the time, it's yes. And then the next question is, how are you going to get there? And unfortunately, ninety percent of the time, there's silence. And uh, there's there's a mission field all around us, and people need to hear about Jesus. Well, in Philippians chapter two, we are going to finish the message, uh, the chapter tonight. Hopefully, we finish a message every night. Um, and and where we have been is on Paul expounding on the importance of unity. In the church, as we work hard as children of God and and as we work for the furtherance of the gospel, we must always be sensitive to being unified, to working together in such a way as to stay unified and to be in one of one accord. Now, as Paul's writing to this church, there are two, as you already know, who are not in one accord. They are at odds against one another, and they are going against the grain, if you will. They're going against one another, and they're so passionate to get their own way, and they have their, their sights set on themselves and what they want, that it is going to start affecting the church. And so Paul is giving antidotes here and there constantly to these two, to the entire church as, as a help to be able to cancel out this problem. You notice in verse 4, it says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And, and that, that is a, a good direct statement of truth to go out to these two in the church that are causing this problem. And then tonight we're going to see in the text, verse 21, for one thing, it says, "...for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's." That's quite an absolute there. "...for all seek their own, not the things which are Christ's." So Paul has been expounding on unity, but tonight he gives us two examples... uh, uh, ...for the church to be in unity. And the first one is going to be Timothy... ...and the second one is going to be Epaphroditus. Let's look at the trust in Timothy first... ...in verses 19 through 24. Uh, A subtitle below trust in Timothy that Paul has... ...would be accomplish the task without a title... That sums up a lot of Timothy and his character. Timothy is such a refreshing example of a Christian who is fully committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, attention, status, and popularity, it's, it's nowhere within his desires as he serves the Lord. It's not there. There's never a thought of that in God's work. He cared about the cause of Christ, and he cared about a Christian's condition. And he wanted to help any way and in any possible uh, fashion that he could. So in verse 19, as we look at this example of unity, um, let's look at what Paul has to say. It says, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Paul had such a special relationship with Philippi. He had a deep love for them. They had a deep love in return for him. I mean, they just had something special. And they longed to see one another. Their desire was to see Paul's face, and Paul's desire was to see them. They could not wait for that reunion so that they could see one another. But Paul couldn't go, Paul was in prison. So he sends a substitute, you know, and, and now most people might start thinking if Paul called on them to go, you mean you want me to go make that hard travel to be a messenger boy, to gather information and to and to walk in and look at the faces of those people just for them to look at me with disappointment because I'm not you, Paul. That would be the attitude of a lot of people. You know, it's it's uh it's funny the things you think of. I think of my first Sunday school teacher and he was talking along the lines of service and and a subject similar to this and he said, "Call me a snow cone if you want. I just want to serve the Lord." You know, and that there's there's something to be said about that. Paul knew Timothy had a snow cone attitude, if you will. He was just willing to serve. He was willing to stand in the gap. It didn't matter if it was what he was called to do. It didn't matter if it was what someone else was to do. He he didn't care if he was the the first one called on to do it, or if a couple fell through and he was the third the third option, or even if he was the last resort, tenth option to send to the church to do something. He didn't care about anything like that. He was just simply willing to, to serve the Lord and to meet a need in Christ's work. You know, there are, there are many, many more Christians in the Bible that are spoken of than Timothy. They're spoken of a lot more than Timothy. They had a higher position, if you will, than Timothy. But you will not find one that is spoken of as being more faithful than Timothy. Timothy was equal in faithfulness to anyone that you might look at in the Bible as you look at him. That is the the blessed thing about Timothy is he was faithful. And I tell you what, that's an important thing that, that we aim for. That's what we, we look forward to hearing. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And this is what Timothy was. He, he was equal to or exceeded all in faithfulness. And that's at the top of the chart for all of us. And, you know, Timothy was a supporter of Paul. And he was a supplier of the needs of God's people. He God killed two birds with one stone, if you will, with Timothy. Because, because he was in one position to be an encouragement to Paul and support him. And he met the needs of the people and was a blessing to the people. And uh, he's glad to be the substitute. But let's, let's not just see the substitute in verse 20. Let's look at the sufficiency. He says... "...for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state." Did you hear that? Did you hear what Paul just said about Timothy? Timothy might not mind being called a snow cone, but Paul is saying here that he's no snow cone at all. You know, Paul knew, obviously, a lot of preachers in the ministry. He knew a lot of missionaries... He knew a lot of great servants of God, and he could have called on many to go and to uh, to go to Philippi and to encourage them and help out with the situation. I mean, people who were number one in charge of their ministry, they were number one in command wherever they were. But Timothy is the one he preferred to send over anyone else. Timothy, who had been by his side. Paul speaks of the care that Timothy had for the churches and the care he had for the people of God. It wasn't just something that he would gloss over and make himself look like he cares with words. Timothy had a very deep, genuine, sincere care that came from within that God gave him for the people and and Paul likens Timothy unto himself in the care that he had now now uh, uh now a lot of preachers he knew might have been able to to go to Philippi and and had a great counseling outline uh set up for them maybe better than Timothy but Paul knew the care that he had and hands down Timothy 1 Timothy was definitely the one that was very sufficient to be able to go and to meet their needs, to perform the task. He had a passion for people running through his veins, and he was very sufficient as the substitute. He was the most sufficient one in Paul's estimation. But as we see, not only the substitute and the sufficiency concerning this example in Timothy, let's look at the spoiler in verse 21. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. Here's a very direct statement of truth that is very fitting to Euodius and Syntyche. Those are the two in the church that are going against the grain. And I tell you what, this is a spoiler in the body of Christ. I mean, the expiration date is coming soon for the church and they are spoiling if their focus is on self and it is not on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, as you think about as you think about other Christians, Paul could have asked to go to Philippi. You know, some would have probably fretted the travel. Others, Paul might have thought of, he would say, no, well, they're they're going to be contemplating the weather and, and they're probably going to complain about that. So, you know, people want their their own needs met and they want ease sometimes, but we must prefer truth and holiness and our Christian duty above receiving credit, above having ease and getting our way. It's. The Lord's church is important enough for that. Any personal interests of Timothy's, they did not come above the interests of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and in such a selfish world, how refreshing is this sacrificial man of God, Timothy, that he would be described in such a way. He was an amazing refreshment to Paul. Barnabas was Paul's main encourager, you might say. But Timothy was definitely encouraging to Paul in another way. I mean, the sacrifice he was willing to make. Can you, can you imagine a man that is going to travel a hard road and he's going to go in the midst of two women and they are quarreling... And he is going to step in and he's going to try to to probe and he's going to get in there to try to resolve the issue between them. I mean, who would really want to do that? Not, Not many, but Timothy does. Because of his love and his care for the Lord and the Lord's true churches, he was ready to go in love. He was ready to be patient, to have the right spirit, to be a blessing to that church and to see the problem that was going on. And he was more than willing because of an overwhelming care to meet the need that was at hand and do the best that he could. Imagine him going to that church and going in there and he's going to troubleshoot a problem. You know, people can easily get so defensive about what you say. You know, he could go in there with the right heart and say the right things in love, not taking sides to try to heal the situation. And when he would leave, someone would criticize him someone would would lie on him and somebody would probably twist his words. And he knew that. And he was willing to go do the Lord's work because it wasn't about him. It was about the Lord's precious church and His people and getting them back on track as they should be. You see in Timothy... No self seeking. Timothy was the opposite of self seeking. Self seeking will suck the life right out of a church. It, it sucks the life out of the church when we put our own gain above another's good that will bring a wedge right in the middle of the worship of the family of God. We have to stick with the fundamentals of the faith. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, everyone loves the love chapter. And there's a portion in there that says, Love seeketh not her own. Look not every man on his own things but every man also on the things of others. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Lord, help the church that would be described as professing Christ, but pursuing self. That's the spoiler in the body of Christ. And thank God for an example like Timothy. Timothy didn't fall into that trap. Timothy didn't give way to the flesh. Timothy didn't go the way with most. And he kept his focus on the Lord and being sacrificial. Let's look in verses 22 through 24 at a strange thing, though the strangeness. And remember, include verse 21 in this. Let me start there and read it all over again. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. But ye know the proof of Him, that as a son with the Father, He hath served with me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord, that I also myself shall come shortly." All seek their own, but not Timothy. Paul was clearly able to say that Timothy did not do that. You know, all through many commentaries, I read where a lot of people wrote that Timothy was a man of second place. That Timothy did not mind taking second place. But you know what? Jesus Christ had first place in his life. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i sure Timothy and others would rather be second place with Jesus having first place than be first place with Jesus having second place. Jesus was first place in his life and he was a lot better off than those who put him any lower than that. Euodius and Syntyche. These two in the church that a lot is being written to. They were fighting for first place. They were fighting for first place over one another. They were fighting for first place over the church. They were fighting for first place over the pastor. And they were fighting for first place over the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was starting to affect the church. It was so important that there are so many direct comments and words that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write unto them. You know what? Yodius and Syntyche need to become snow cones. Title me whatever you want. Whatever the church wants is best. And I just want to... Serve the Lord. That's a strange place. It's strange and it's rare and it's kind of lonely there. There's not a lot of people there these days. You got you have to stand alone if you're going to do that. That's what Timothy did though. Timothy was tried, he was proven, he was willing, and he was faithful. Paul trusted in Timothy. And so he would have the church, and he would have the two in the church to think about Timothy, to think about his faithfulness. He didn't need a title. He didn't need things to go his way. He just wanted to do whatever needed to be done. And he didn't have to ask questions if he could do this or if he could do that. He did whatever needed to be done and he was willing to do it. There's not only one example that Paul wanted Philippi to think of, though. He also wanted them to think of Epaphroditus. In verses 25 through 30... This is set aside for a word that Paul wants to give on Epaphroditus. As I mentioned in the introductory lesson, that this word on Epaphroditus was given so that Paul could defend him. Because who knows what the church would think about him. Because when you serve the Lord and you do something I mean, sometimes people will put you in a rock and a hard place. You could have had some at the church say, well, he came back too early. And you can have some at the church say, well, what else did he do? He came back too late. But Paul defends his brother in Christ. You know, the way things came about with Epaphroditus being in this situation, the church of Philippi had a heavy heart for Paul. We have talked about how he wanted to magnify in his Christ in his body no matter what, no matter what he went through. But Paul was having a hard time. I mean, here he was in prison and, and he was being falsely accused. The execution sentence was, was very possibly right there before him. And so Paul had some struggle. And it was a heaviness on the on the heart of the church. And they wanted to send him an offering. And they wanted to send someone that would encourage him and spend a little time with him. Man, don't you know that we need that sometimes? We need some encouragement. And, and we need somebody just to spend some time with. I can say this and no one would know who I'm... Talking about and and there was someone that that engaged with me in conversation about having a more a, a more individualized Bible study, and so I kind of set up something, and he came and and I'm ready to dig into the Bible and and he just it's like hello uh, this is what we're doing right, and don't get me wrong th- this should be first, but but it seems that it was easy to detect that this person wanted some fellowship and they wanted some relationship and they wanted to talk to somebody that cared and somebody that could help. And they believed that would be good for Paul and they needed to send somebody. Somebody that would be very brave because it was a tough travel and also when he got there, whoever it was, he would be identified with with this person that is that is about to go before, uh, you know, justice and probably be, you know, put to death possibly. And so they could consider this person an accomplice. So this had to be someone very brave. And it was somebody right there within the church. And his name was Epaphroditus. And so they, they vote and they chose to send Epaphroditus to minister to Paul. And And you know, and it's no exaggeration to say that this person had to be willing to risk their life for Paul. He was going to see someone that people wanted to kill. Whether he was innocent or not, he was innocent. But it's no exaggeration to say that he had to risk his life. And the church agreed, and they sent an offering, and they sent Epaphroditus. And and Paul defends him first of all by the by the by the titles he gives him in verse twenty five what we see here is by these titles that Paul is giving for Epaphroditus that Epaphroditus did not abandon Paul he didn't abandon him. he said, yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and companion in labor, and fellow laborer, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. First of all, Epaphroditus was a brother. To be a brother is to be of the same parent. And Epaphroditus was born of God. He was born again, and he showed evidence that he was a child of God. He was a new creature in Christ. He didn't have to say it. He showed it by his life. And there was just a drawing to have a kindred spirit with him. You know, I I trust and leave it with the Lord that everyone who's a member of this church, who's professed Christ as their Lord and Savior, that... That they are a child of God. But it's so sweet when you have this kindred spirit. And you know and believe that someone's going to be in heaven with you one day. And you share with them. You share with them spiritually. You may not have anything in common with them in this world. With your with your occupation. With your family. With your race. Or anything like that. But there is a kindred spirit in the Lord Jesus Christ. How sweet is it to have that fellowship? Paul calls him a brother, but not only a brother, a companion in labor. This is the idea of one that will be close beside you and serving the Lord with you and not going to focus on the differences that you have between one another opinions are not going to get in the way between a companion in labor and another. There's not going to be any distance. There's not going to be any competition. There's not going to be anything at all that would sever them uh, in their work together. There's not going to be envy between them. That's what Epaphroditus is called, a companion in labor. He wasn't fickle. You know, there's a. I was told by a, by a wise mentor of mine that, that in Christianity, you're going to find a lot of people who are fickle. That doesn't sound very good to say or encouraging, but it's very real. And I've found it in a short time to be true. Maybe I've been that way sometimes. Where, maybe I can say we're fickle in our flesh sometimes. But the idea of being fickle is to uh, change your loyalty. Change your loyalty uh, and to do it frequently. That's what a fickle person will do. But that wasn't Epaphroditus. He was a companion in labor. But he was also a fellow soldier. That's the idea of being hardy or being rugged, if you will. I like to dabble with some plants in the yard. And I like to jump on a plant that it says it's hardy, because if I forget to water it and it doesn't rain, it might hold up and it might it might endure my neglect of it. And so you and I need to be hardy. That's how that's how Epaphroditus is described here. He had a toughness for the task. He had the sweetness and the compassion of a companion in labor, but he was also tough. What do they say? Thick skin and a tender heart? Well, Epaphroditus had that. I'm sure everybody crosses over the line of that one way or another, but Epaphroditus was very close. He was also called a messenger. He was called to a very special mission that the church gave him. He was also called a minister. He that ministered to my wants. This is really... This is a really exalting word here. It's the idea of Epaphroditus being an extraordinary provider for Paul's needs. Paul is wanting to assure this church that he did everything that he should have done. You picked the right man to send to me. He did exactly what was on your heart to do for me. He he brought the offering to me honestly, and he helped me genuinely and compassionately. He didn't abandon Paul. Also, we see in verse 26 that he adored the church. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. uh, Epaphroditus got sick to the point of possible death and the church heard about it. And the church became burdensome over Epaphroditus getting sick. And Epaphroditus heard that the church was getting burdensome about him being sick. And Epaphroditus became burdensome about the church being burdensome that he was was sick. He was on his deathbed. He was possibly going to die. And he was so concerned about the heaviness on their heart that they had for him. I'll never forget sitting with jerry McRae in the hospital right before a major surgery some years back and here he is with a great concern over him as he's going to go into surgery and he was so concerned that i couldn't get a cup of coffee any anyone that worked for the hospital that passed by he stopped him saying can you get this man a cup of coffee Jerry, don't, don't worry about it. I can drink my coffee later. No, no, please get him a cup, cup of coffee. He needs some cream and sugar. Bring it. To... I have visited so many people and they were at such a low point in their health and I know it affected their mind in so many ways. And I go to the hospital to try to be a blessing and to minister to them and they're asking about me and they're concerned about me and asking about my life. Wow. That, that spirit and that care among the church, the family of God together. He adored the church. Hello, you odious and sintiki, wake up. Because right here in your midst in the church is the exact example of what you need to see. This is how you need to be. He was burdensome over you as he was possibly dying. He adored the church, but God addressed his illness. Verse 27 For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. That, that just ought to get the juggler. Of anyone who was going against the grain in the church. That, that Paul was talking about his amazing care of Epaphroditus. And, and the condition that he was in. But God spared him. God blessed the rough trip when he went to Philippi. But things got rough when he was in Rome. Who knows what happened to him concerning being identified with Paul. And then he got sick and he almost died. But God God spared him and God healed him. And even after he started getting better, he wanted to stay there and minister to Paul's needs. I mean, I mean, life was going on and death almost happened, but he was wanting to be faithful to the task. He was wanting to stay there to meet Paul's needs. And I'm sure Paul had to use his authority as an apostle to say, Epaphroditus, you need to go back home and you need to make sure that you're well. And so you don't have a relapse. But that was his passion to do what he was called to do and to serve. Hopefully the church there will see the example and keep their focus. And there will not be a selfishness and there will not be a threat of a split in the church because of everybody seeking their own. Let's go ahead and close this with Paul's appeal, ultimate appeal to the people. Verse 28, I sent him therefore the more carefully that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice... And that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. I believe there are some missionaries that have been taken on by a church. You understand they they prayed together. They listen to a missionary preach and pray together and then decide whether or not to support this missionary, believing that God gave them the guidance and the freedom within to say, yes, this is a man of God going to preach the gospel. I sense the Spirit of God in him as he preached, and we unanimously vote to send him. And then you have some churches that are just henpecking his schedule and breathing down the back of his neck every week and trying to look for anything to get skeptical about. I'm sure some missionaries wish some churches never would have supported them at all. Paul is saying, Epaphroditus was the man that you chose to send to me and he was willing to risk his life for me He wanted to take care of me right to the point when he was almost dying. And on his way back to health, he he wanted to continue to help me and be a support to me. And I made him go back. He needed to go back to get healthy. Don't question him. Don't doubt him. Don't get skeptical on him leaving before he knew my full condition because because he was willing to risk his life for me. Rejoice with him. Rejoice in this great man of God who did exactly what he was called to do in the task at hand. Paul appeals to the people and defends this man of God. So can this church, this church at Philippi, look at this man Timothy and look at Epaphroditus and know that God can make Timothys and Epaphrodituss out of everybody in their heart and in their surrender to Jesus Christ that we all might come in beautiful unity together to serve the Lord. to see how precious His church is. And to be ever so sensitive that we're not just working, but we're working well with one another. And it's not about status. It's not about jealousy of what someone else is doing. It's about doing everything we can to serve our Lord Jesus Christ in beautiful unity. David Scott. Please close us in a word of prayer.